Thank you so much. Um, This is what God's been able to do, and uh, we can't do that without churches like you praying for us and financially supporting us out there to uh, minister to those people there. But uh, just kind of an update from there, um, we, uh, the, the young lady Heidi, um, God blessed, gave her a husband that got saved, and they are baptized and members of our church now. And so we're excited uh, in their lives and the growth there. Uh, but we came back in June uh, due to medical reasons for my wife. And uh, we are now locked out of our country. Um, they used to be COVID-free, but uh, la- this week they uh, tested one tested positive on a ship that came in. But from March, they've not allowed anyone in except two ships. And uh, they have not allowed flights to open back up and us to return. Uh, they keep delaying uh, when their decision is, is that they're going to open. The next we hear is possibly February. But uh, it'll be something of a two-week quarantine in either Hawaii or Guam, and then a three-week quarantine once we arrive to the island in one of their facilities. And so, um, according to them, they're going to allow all their uh, nationals, all their uh, people, uh, citizens, to enter first, and then anybody else that wants to enter. We don't know exactly what we're going to have to go through to get in. So, please pray for us as we're kind of... Uh, I don't know, your phone sometimes uh, begins searching, and that's what we feel like right now. We're in that, you know, uh, buffering zone. We don't know what's going on, and uh, this is one church of our supporters that we weren't able to get to in 13, or in 18, excuse me. And uh, so I guess God opened the doors for us to come back in and update you folks of what God's been doing. Uh, If you have any more questions, uh, please come see us at the back. Come get a new updated prayer card. I think the last one you folks have, the kids were really, really little. And uh, now they have 13 and 11. And, uh, and so that's, that's coming fast. But uh, let's open our Bibles here this morning and uh, get into the Word of God. And uh, we're going to John chapter number 12 here this morning. John chapter number 12. We find this theme and it's interesting when i walked in and and noticed your theme for the year i don't know if it's for the year just the theme but about uh, bringing god glory or glorifying god by loving his word and uh you know there's there's so much untruth out there right now our world is flooded with it and we do have one truth we have the word of god and if we can stay in this book um that's going to keep us on the path that we need to be And uh, I love how God's Word, even though written 2,000 or more years ago, still applies and still um, works in our hearts and lives today. But uh, John chapter number 12, and uh, let's look at verse number 1 here this morning. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And he said not, uh, and he said not that he cared for the poor, 
but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing. Hath she kept this? For the poor always have, uh, ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only. Isn't that an interesting statement there? They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom had been raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Use your word. And God, I pray that it would do a work as only it can do. We thank you again for your many blessings. We thank you for your word. And I pray that we would follow it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting here as the word of God and and, and what took place and, and when you come to John chapter number 11 and John chapter number 12, I believe we can find a theme or uh, what is taking place in that area. First of all, it surrounds the Lord Jesus Christ and, and it surrounds this man Lazarus and, and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. But ultimately, throughout this area, we find a theme of the glory of God. And, uh, and, and when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I said it in Sunday school, Jesus makes us divided, if you want to say. Um, either we receive Him as our Savior or we reject Him. There's no other way about it. Either, either He becomes our Lord and Savior or, um, He does not. And, uh, and we can't play the fence. Either we believe in him or we doubt him. And the book of John was written for one purpose, and it's quoted back in John chapter 20 and verse number 31. It says, these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. You see, the Jews were confused when Christ came. In fact, uh, when you read about uh, the wise men coming and seeking for Christ, uh, it troubled not only Herod, but it troubled all of Jerusalem. And it, it's an interesting thought there that why weren't they ready? Uh, the prophets were clear that the Messiah was coming. And, uh, and, and later on, John would be the last to write a gospel. And the reason that he's writing that gospel is so that you would know, or we would know, that Jesus was the Messiah and, and that he was the one that we must believe also. What's interesting is everything that John writes points to Christ being the Messiah, points to him being the Savior, and it causes us to make a decision. Are we going to accept him or are we going to reject him? And uh, when you look here, one of the other things that we see John writing is he shows us how people react to Christ. And uh, in this passage, I see uh, either six individuals or groups, uh, how they reacted 
or, or how they rejected or how they accepted Christ. We see their reactions when Jesus came along. You see the devoted service of Martha. You see the costly sacrifice of Mary. You see the harsh criticisms of Judas. Uh, we see the indifference of the crowd. We see the hostility of the religious leaders. And then we see the witness of Lazarus. And what an example, uh, what a thought that we see of these ones who heard and felt and uh, saw the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come to this, we have to realize that their lives either glorified God or they didn't glorify God. Uh, take your Bibles and, and, and go back with me to John chapter number 11. John chapter number 11, and look at verse number 4 here with me. You see, in order for our lives to give Him glory, um, we need to show His characteristics. They need to be displayed in our life. Look at John chapter number 11, look at verse number 4. When Jesus heard that, what did He hear? He heard that Lazarus was sick. About unto death, if you want to say. And uh, it says there, uh, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So here's what takes place. Lazarus gets sick, and he's a good friend of Christ. And Martha and Mary, his sisters, send someone to go tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Now, we know Jesus was in a different area, and uh, and it looks as if he was at least a day's journey away from where Lazarus or Bethany was. And uh, we know this because Jesus tarried two days. The messenger is sent out and tells Jesus, Jesus tarries for two days, and then Jesus makes his way to Bethany, and by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days now, when you think about that, as that messenger is leaving, Lazarus is dying. But why did he die? Why was he sick? This sickness is not unto death. All right. The result of it was not going to be death. The result of Lazarus' sickness was for the glory of God. Look down in verse number 40. We find that Martha came out to meet Jesus. And, uh, and, and he also talks with Mary. And then he says, take me to that cave. Show me where he's laid. And he says, take away the stone in verse number 39. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Verse number 40, Jesus said unto her, say I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. This morning in Sunday school, we were in John chapter number 12, verses 27, 28, 29. And what do you find there? Uh, Jesus telling in verse number 28, Father, glorify thy name. And God from heaven said, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. Speaking of Jesus's life brought him glory and now his death would bring him glory. You see, this whole passage of Scripture revolves around that idea of glorifying God with our lives. Jesus, uh, if we're going to glorify God, if we're going to glorify, we're going to have to follow in Jesus' example. And he had a life of service. He had a life of sacrifice. He had a life that was a witness. In Matthew chapter number 5, and verse 48, 
He said, be therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. You see, the way that I can glorify God in my life is when God's characteristics are seen in me. That's how I can bring him glory with my life. And here we find John recording a group that received Christ, uh, those that rejected Christ. uh, But we see those that glorified God. And those did that did not. The first one that I want to point out is Martha. If you go back to our text, John chapter number 12, we find that Jesus enters into Bethany here. This is where Lazarus was healed. And in verse number two, there they made him a supper and Martha served. You know what? Martha was a servant. She was one that that would just jump in and do anything that was needed. You know what every church needs? Every church needs some Marthas in them. They don't all have to be ladies. Uh, We just need in every church uh, some people that whatever needs to be done, they're willing to jump in and do their part. And you find that Martha was one of these people. Um, Here we're finding that they're holding a supper. And what's interesting about that is in John chapter number 11, that last verse the Pharisees, the, the chief priests, they had said, if anybody knows where Jesus is at, you need to report it. They were trying to arrest him at that time. And so finally, Jesus comes back to Bethany, comes back to that area, which he had left because they were seeking him. Um, he comes back to that area. Instead of reporting him, what do they do? They throw him a supper. They throw him uh, uh, an area or an event that would uh, express their love and show their gratitude for raising Lazarus from the dead. Um, when you look at it, how many people were there? Well, we know that Jesus was there. We know that his disciples were there. We know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were there. And Matthew and Mark would suggest that Simon the leper, it was in his house that he was there. And, uh, and, and you find that in this section, you find the two words there, Martha served. You know what's interesting is that Martha's service, this isn't the only time we read about it. Hold your place here and go back to Luke chapter number 10. We find that Martha's service was also mentioned all the way back in Luke. And this was a different time that Jesus visited their house. Uh, this would have been uh, in the home of Mary, Mary and Martha. Excuse me. And uh, Luke chapter 10, look at verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. Here's her service again. And came to him and said, Lord, didst thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha... Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, that Mary hath chosen the good part which she had taken away from her. You look at this, and Martha's service here is being spoiled by her spirit. Here's what took place. It wasn't her service that Jesus was upset at. It was her attitude towards her sister. Martha's working. She's trying to prepare the house and maybe prepare the meal and have everything already. Martha's about her service, but she is focused on Mary not doing anything. Maybe some of us have been there before. 
Have you been doing something and you began to look around and realize that you're the only one doing anything? That breeds a a bad attitude sometimes. And that's what Martha had. She comes to Jesus and said, correct her. She's not doing anything. I'm doing all the work here. You know, that her service could have glorified God. But because Martha was so concerned about everybody else around, Jesus reprimanded her for doing so. Her service was not glorifying God any longer. Instead, she was so busy criticizing and complaining about others. How oftentimes we want to serve God. We want to do something for Him. And we find some ministry, something that we can do. And we begin doing it. And and God begins blessing. And everything is going well until we begin looking around at what everybody else is doing. You know... God didn't call us to be the police of everybody else. He called us to serve Him. And yet we become like Martha so quickly, and you know what happens? That cannot glorify God. You know, Martha was doing the same thing in John chapter number 12 and verse 2 as what she was doing in Luke chapter number 10. But in Luke chapter number 10, she was reprimanded because she was so concerned what her sister was up to. But when you see the words here, Martha served, we see that she was glorifying God with her life. Mary chose to sit, but Martha chose to serve. But realize this, both glorified God. You realize that as a body of believers, we all are not the same part. We all have different parts in our body, and the church has different parts. We need each and every one of them. Even look at the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. John and Peter, those weren't the same type of guys. When you look at Peter, I I really, I I get along with Peter, huh? Uh, He speaks first, he puts his foot in his mouth a lot. Uh, That's me, you know, I, I really get along with Peter. When you look at John, he wanted to be close to Christ. He had that loving attitude. But do you realize God used both? Peter stood up and preached at the day of Pentecost. John was used uh, for a long period of his life uh, uh, helping the church and and strengthening the believers. Uh, God can use both Martha's and Mary's. The problem is, is when Martha's began looking at what everybody else is doing. The Bible says it's unwise to compare ourselves. We need to stay away from those things. If Martha would have just done what she was supposed to do, she could have glorified God in Luke 10 as she had done in John chapter 12. When you look at Martha, we must learn to respect one another. Jesus was not upset at Martha's service. He was upset at her criticism and her complaining about Mary. You know, when you read God's word, you find the nation of Israel They criticize and complained an awful lot. They are freed from Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They come to the Red Sea, mountains beside them, and here is Pharaoh's army strengthening down in. And all of a sudden they cry out and say, did you bring us out here to kill us, Moses? You know, God had showed ten miracles to let them out of Egypt. God had protected them when they had planted uh, the lamb's blood on that doorframe. And yet now, 
In the midst of the trouble, they began to complain about him. So what does God do? He opens up the Red Sea. And they walk forward on dry ground. And Pharaoh's army follows in and those, that Red Sea closes back up and wipes out his army. They saw that with their eyes. And a few days later, they're complaining about the water situation. How could that take place? Their eyes weren't focused on him. They were focused on themselves. And that's the same with Martha. Uh, Not soon after, he takes that water and Moses strikes the rock and water comes out of the rock. And what do they complain about next? Oh, the food. Remember all the food in Egypt. Uh, Do they remember what took place in Egypt? They were killing their sons. They, They were slaves. They were complaining about that situation and God freed them for them to complain about the next. We must be careful because when our eyes get off Him, we begin to complain about everything else. I say this on the craziest week Americans have ever faced in our life. I read a quote from Corey Ten Boom uh, who went through the Nazi Germany and, and hid away Jews and, and faced the price in prison camp for that. She said, when we begin to focus on the world around us, we get distressed. When we begin to focus within us, we become depressed. But when we focus on Christ, we're at rest. I challenge you, instead of worrying about what everything else is going on, let's put our eyes on God and say, I can do this. I can serve on a bus. I can serve in a Sunday school. I can lead singing. I can... I can do this. I can serve God and let's serve Him. That's how God receives glory from our life. When we serve Him. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. That ye may be blameless and harmless the sons of God. Without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We need to serve God and quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. Quit murmuring and disputing. And you know what? Serve Christ. Why? This world is watching. They're watching us. And when we live just like them, why would they want what we have? My dad uh, grew up in Finley, Ohio and uh, did not grow up in a Christian home. And he went to school watching a kid carry his Bible to school and getting picked on. But he noticed that that kid had something he didn't have. He he had a lot of fun when his friends were around, but this kid didn't have many friends. Yet he still had a joy about him. My dad said, I want what he has. That young man invited him to a church there in Finley, Ohio, and he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. You think about that. We need to be that example in our world today. We need to be that one that, man, we might not have what everybody else has, but we have a joy and a peace that they want. This world, it offers a lot, but it never satisfies. You find Martha, her service was directed now in John chapter 12 
to Christ. It was motivated by her love. And you realize that it's then without any rebuke. Before, he criticized it. He had an issue with her service because she was criticizing others. Now she served. And you know what? God calls us to service. He said, greatest is he among you that will be your servant. He himself was a servant. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And we are called to go forth and serve. You know, what's interesting about this is when we come to this passage, most people skip over Martha's service here, and they go right to Mary's great costly sacrifice. You realize that Martha's service was not under Mary's sacrifice. Both of these things glorified God. And so Martha serving, it was no less pleasing to the Lord than Mary's costly sacrifice. If you look at verse 3, we see Mary's sacrifice. And uh, it says there then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know what's interesting about Mary here? is she was one that wanted to be close. Like I said, if Martha, she would have been the Peter of the disciples. Mary here, she would have been the John of the disciples. She wanted to be close. What I find very interesting is Mary's the only one to believe Christ's words. Up to this point, the disciples were following Jesus Christ because he was ushering in his kingdom. These guys are looking at it as, hey, We're one of the 12. We're going to be one of the 12 leaders of this new kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. But what did Jesus tell the disciples? I must go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, uh, convicted, arrested, and I'm going to be crucified. And what did they do? They reprimanded him. No, 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 Lord. No, this is what's going to take place. You know, when that finally took place, not many people were ready for that. But here is a lady that believes the words of Christ. What does she do? She brings this ointment to anoint his body for his death. She believed the words he was saying. Others were saying, no, 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 Lord, don't let this be so. Why? Because it was going to hurt their position in this world. They thought, we're going to be a part of this new kingdom. We're going to be these rulers. Mary just believed the words of Christ. And so she comes with this box of uh, precious ointment. She was willing to sacrifice. She was willing to give She was willing to put herself at the feet of Jesus. As much as the church needs Marthas, people that are just willing to serve, we need Marys as well. We need people that are just willing to give of themselves, willing to believe, willing to follow through at any cost. This this precious ointment that she gave, it was worth a lot. In fact, uh, Judas, uh, he said it was worth 300 pence This was basically a year's wages that uh, she was offering here. But what's interesting about it is when you read Matthew and Mark, she brought this alabaster box. It was a a precious uh, vial. It It was something of costly, not just the perfume inside, but also the box. And so when she brings this to Christ and and breaks that and anoints his feet. Realize that she didn't just give the content, she gave the vessel. You know, when we want to serve God, that's what it's going to take. When we want to sacrifice, he doesn't just want our gift, 
He wants the vessel. He wants us. I love when Paul was challenging uh, the churches to give. Um, and he talks about uh, the churches there in Macedonia, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He talks about how they gave, and, and they gave during a great trial of affliction. He talks about what they gave from. They gave from deep poverty. And when you think about this, you would think about this church, they couldn't have given that much. These churches were, were going through trials. These churches were in deep poverty. And yet, he said, they gave beyond themselves. They gave more than they possibly could give. And then he describes how they did it because they first gave themselves. You realize that's what God wants when we want to sacrifice, when we want to give to him. He doesn't just want the gift. He doesn't just want the tithe and the offering. Uh, he, he doesn't just want um, whatever we might give to him. No, he wants us because when he has us, he has us all. And when you look at Mary, she was willing to give this costly, this portionable thing. She didn't want to offer the Lord something that cost her nothing. She was willing to give it all. The next thing that you see about it, she wiped his feet with her hair. Now we know that feet are not the best things, if you want to say. That's not the most exciting thing. In fact, the disciples fought about who would wash each other's feet. This was not the, the, the job anybody wanted to do. In fact, a Hebrew servant was not required to wash another Hebrew's feet. It was the lowest of servants. It was the lowest of low that had to do that. The slave that had to do that. And uh, here comes Mary letting down her hair, uh, a respectable woman, and she's not concerned about what it cost her both financially or to her reputation. She was willing to sacrifice everything. What we need in Mary's is we need people that aren't willing. They're not concerned. They're willing to give, but they're not concerned what it's going to cost them financially or by their reputation. The Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. When someone's drunk, they begin doing and saying things they normally wouldn't do and say. So don't do that, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, when we submit our lives and we make our lives a sacrifice, we'll be willing to do and say things we normally wouldn't do when He's in control of our lives. That's the type of sacrificial gift that Mary gives. She was unmindful of the cost. She was willing to do this because she loved the Lord. And you know what was said? Wherever the gospel was preached, she would be mentioned. What a statement there. We find Martha glorified God with her service. Mary glorified God with her gift. But then the next one we see is Judas Iscariot. In verse number four, then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. I love how John writes, this is the betrayer. This is the guy that, 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 that's going to turn over, uh, betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And he said, and here's John again, just being as plain as plain could be, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. You know, Judas was one of the twelve. Judas saw Jesus as an opportunity for him to get a higher position in life. 
When you look at Judas, um, he was looking at Jesus as his ticket to be one of the top in a nation. They looked at the Messiah. They missed the part that the Messiah would come and die. And they looked to the part that the Messiah was going to rule and reign here on this earth. And their thought uh, at that day, the Jews thought the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a military leader and he was going to kick Rome out and Israel would rule yet again themselves. And so Judas saying, this is the Messiah. This is the guy that's going to elevate me to one of the top people in all of Israel. And so he joined the cause. But now it's come to the resurrection of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And yeah, the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests, they had been mad before, but now they're actually seeking to arrest Christ. Uh, He's saying, I need to start distancing myself here. And so what is he doing? What can I get from Christ? You see, the others, they glorified God with their life by what they could give. One could serve and one could give a costly gift. But now Judas is glorifying himself in what can I get out of this situation? And he looked at that box and said, oh, that money could have been given to the poor. But that wasn't the reason he said that. That money could end up in my pocket. We find that he wanted money as he went to the high priest to find what they would pay for him to betray Christ. And so we find Judas only concerned about himself. Here he is, his selfishness ruling the day. He begins to try to get this thing worked in his favor. What could he get out of Christ? Instead of ever turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, Judas dies without him being a savior. What a shame. His life, he walked with Christ for three years. He heard him speak. He saw the miracles. He saw all these things done. He handled the Son of God. And he rejected him and walked away. Hell's not full of people who the Lord rejected. Hell's full of people who have rejected the Lord. We see the the difference here. Mary, she gave. Martha, she served. But Judas, he simply criticized. The next is the group in verse number 9. Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. This group was largely undecided. It's interesting, they were the ones that saw the miracles. Maybe they even ate of some of the miracles. They were the ones that were possessed or sick and were healed. These were the ones, when they heard Jesus was there, they would flock to go see him. In fact, in the verse 13, these are the ones that took the branches of the palm trees and went before him saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is this group. And then when you read in John chapter 19, this is the group that said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. You see, they were the undecided. They were the thrill seekers. They were the ones just that wanted to participate in this great thing that was taking place. They were not believers. They were undecided. You know what happens to the undecided? They become the unbeliever. They're a chance to win them, but most of the time they head off the other way. The next group that we see is the chief priest. We see them in verse number 10. 
But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to death. This is an interesting statement here. Because if you go back to John chapter number 11 and look at verse number 49, and one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, ye know nothing at all. They're discussing, what do we do with Christ? Verse number 50, for consider that is it expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. So when Christ was uh, healing Lazarus and or raising Lazarus from the dead, and, and they could not deny that, the high priest said, one man has to die here. But when we come to John chapter 2, now two men have to die. That's how evil works. It's never satisfied. It's not satisfied with just one. Now there's two that have to die. And uh, it was expedient for one. Now it's expedient for two. Why were they so upset? If you go back to John, again, 11, go up to uh, verse number 47. Then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doth many miracles. If we let him thus alone... All men will believe on him and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. You know what they were concerned about? Their place. Their place. The glory was all on them. It brings us to the last one. There were six. Lazarus, he was a witness. When you look at verse number 11, because that by reason of him, by reason of Lazarus, Many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. You know what you find in Lazarus? He was a witness. Church, we need Marthas that are willing to serve. Church, we need Marys that are willing to give of themselves. But church, every one of us needs to be a Lazarus who's a witness. I don't know how popular Lazarus was before this point. But here we find a group of people traveling a distance Two miles to go see Lazarus. To go see this one that raised from the dead. Why? His life had been changed. We need people whose lives have been changed. They need to see a difference in us. I'm telling you, when, when God takes some of these folks that you've seen pictures of in Koshrai, uh, they're, they're not the pretty ones. They're not the ones that you want church members. They're the ones that nobody wants. But Jesus wants them. And he can change their lives and make them into something that people say, well, how did you do that? I didn't do anything. I just introduced them to Christ. He did it all. That was the type of witness Lazarus was. Here's this group. They were undecided. Most of them went away and said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. But there were some that believed because of Lazarus' testimony. Every church needs those that are getting the gospel out. He was a man living a resurrected life. And we need to be people that are living resurrected lives. They need to see Christ in us. When you look at the life of Christ, it glorified God. When you look at his death, he glorified God. When you look at his resurrection, he rose so that we might glorify God. We might be that witness. This world's a dark place and we need to be that light. We need to be that one that's shining into this world because there is salvation in no other name than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the only way we will get to heaven. We can't be neutral regarding Christ. We either accept Him or we reject Him. 
There are many people in this building. I live on an island that is so religious. They look right. They talk right. They act right. But they don't know Christ as personal Savior. And if they died, they're going to an eternity in hell. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, this morning, I don't know where you're at. But I know there are those in this building who have received Christ. And there may be some in this building who have rejected. You, you have to be one or the other. You can't be both. This morning, if we've rejected Him, that means that we will die in our sins. He's the only one that can wipe away those sins. He's the only one that can forgive because He paid the debt. I didn't pay the debt. This church didn't pay the debt. Christ paid the debt. And so salvation is only in Him. This morning, if you know Christ, we're to glorify Him with our lives. Let's give a life of service. Let's give a life of sacrifice. Let's be a life that's a witness to this world. But if you don't know Him this morning, the only way is through the Lord Jesus Christ to have that relationship with God. Lord, we ask that you would speak to hearts this morning. Oh, that your word would be true. Lord, that we would follow what your word has to say. God, I don't know where people are at here, but I do know that there are those that know Christ. God, I pray that our lives would glorify you. Lord, there may be one that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would show them their need of salvation today.